Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the fantasy football mastermind edge. The definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and flip. The latest NFL news and much, much more each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge. Michael Nazareth. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is November 29th. Uh, this is week 13 of the 2022 NFL season. Hope you had a happy Turkey Day Thanksgiving. Uh, well, we're entering the home stretch of fantasy football. Playoffs are just around the corner. My name's Michael Nazareth, and I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found on the web at ffmastermind.com. And with me, once again, my very good friend and very experienced fantasy player and fantasy football writer, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Very well, sir. Very experienced. And, you know, I, I noticed in the intro, I hadn't noticed this before, you say that we have several decades of experience. And, I, and the thought that crossed my mind was, dang, you're old, Nazarek. <laughs> several decades. Wow, that just really racks it up. You know, I mean, I, I know that. You've been running this site for like two and a half decades and probably been playing fantasy football another five, six years beyond that, I'm guessing. So we've each been playing for about 30 plus years. And man, it's, it doesn't mean we know everything. It just means that we've, uh, we've probably seen a lot. It's crazy. Since 1988 is when I started playing fantasy football and created the website in 96 and uh, took it as a business in 97 and quit my day job as a computer analyst in 99. And, and here we are. And, uh, it's been a crazy ride, and yeah, we're all getting older, including you, Rito. <laughs> okay, let's get right to the meat and bones of the uh, show this week. Another big injury. Uh, well, it is to uh, Darnell Mooney and the passing game of the Chicago Bears. Uh, he uh, is lost for the season there uh, uh, with a, uh, uh, an injury. Um, anyway, Fantasy impact, Chris, uh, with Darnell Mooney no longer uh, playing for the Bears. Well, the big thing everyone's going to wonder is what does it do for Justin Fields? And frankly, I don't think it does much because obviously his value is with his feet, not with his arm. He's not really throwing it much. And, and he's not really had high caliber receivers in his two years there. So I don't think even the loss of his best receiver is going to be a tremendous uh, a disadvantage for him from a fantasy perspective. Uh, now, the one the one guy that's probably going to benefit, you would imagine, would be Chase Claypool, who's going to see a lot more touches. Maybe Nikhil Harry will finally start to see uh, some of the, the benefits of, of, of trading for him. Um, you would think that Cole Komet would also see touches, especially in the red zone, although I believe Claypool might be a better red zone target than, than Komet. The problem is is that they, they've got a rough schedule for, for the stretch drive of the fantasy playoffs. They've got a, a really tough schedule for passing both against the tight end and against the wide receiver. And they obviously have a bye in week 14, so you're going to lose all of those guys anyway. So 
I mean, they're, they're, they were already a, a really risky play for everyone but Justin Fields anyway. If anything, this probably just means they're going to further commit to the run, and especially with the bump shoulder for Fields. David Montgomery probably becomes a, a potential uh, league winner, definitely a starter uh, down the stretch for you, I imagine. Yeah, especially this week. Uh, but uh, one thing to note on Chase Claypool, he left the game Sunday with a leg injury. We don't know how uh, serious it is and why not. Obviously, this is, we're taping this on Tuesday night, so we're going to find out. Equinemius St. Brown, Dante Pettis, Byron Pringle, who uh, caught a touchdown pass on Sunday. Both, all three of those guys caught two passes. So like you say, that's how I feel is that, you know, really uh, the bottom line here at uh, the remaining bare wideouts basically I think are dart throws for fantasy in any given week. I mean, uh, it just depends on how quickly Fields, you know, becomes healthy again. He's going to struggle in the meantime. Uh, you know, like you say, Cole Kmet, uh, you know, it's <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, you would think that he'd get a few more targets, but that doesn't mean it's going to translate into anything major. By the way, it's a, an ankle injury. I could, could off the top of my head, uh, Darnell Mooney injury was an ankle injuries out for the year um let's switch gears here moving to another uh a minor injury and a major injury on the same team same position running backs for the 49ers cmc uh fortunately is the minor he's been experiencing some uh tendonitis uh patellar tendonitis there uh and put a brace on uh and, and yielded more plays to elijah mitchell until he sprained his knee and they were hoping it was a minor mcl frame no it's a major so it's just like uh, he missed the start of the season eight weeks. He's out six to eight weeks. is effectively the rest of the season there. you got Jordan Mason and uh, Tyron Davis-Price backing up CMC. What's your fantasy thoughts uh, uh, and fantasy impact here on the 49ers running game uh, with these injuries, uh, Chris? Yeah, it's funny because I saw several articles today uh, all talking about the two rookies, you know, Mason and Davis-Price or Price-Davis, whatever his name is. <laughs> and, and they're all saying, oh, these might be the guys – Dash and one of these guys could step up if CMC misses any amount of time or snaps. And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. I mean, first of all, has everyone forgotten that last year when they didn't have CMC, the guy that they used was was Debo Samuel, and he's still there. <laughs> so I, I can see if anything, this might shoot Debo Samuel's uh, uh, value through the roof because he might start to see some of those running value plays, especially near the goal line. That, uh, that he saw last year. And the other guy that I think is probably worth thinking about, if you want to stash a guy on your bench, I don't think stash the two rookies. The guy I think you want to stash is um, Tevin Coleman. Because remember, yep. he's, Kyle, he's like Kyle Shanahan's like, favorite guy. From, he, I, he must have naked pictures of, of, of Kyle Shanahan or something, because he, everywhere he goes, his, Tevin Coleman shows up and gets way more carries than you think he should get. He knows the offense. He's actually a pretty good back. So, I mean, if I'm going to stash a guy – I'm stashing Tevin Coleman, not one of the two rookies, and uh, I, I really think the big benefit, if anything should happen to CMC for any period of time, is Debo Samuel. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, Tevin Coleman is on the practice squad, so all they're going to do is you know, uh, call him up, elevate him. I'm not sure how many more elevations they have uh, available, but uh, if they don't, you know, uh, something does happen and whatnot, uh, then they can just sign him uh, to the – the squad, you know, uh, Tyron Davis Price is a rookie. He's got saw, saw very limited action, and he was inactive last week. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised for Shanahan to to, to elevate uh, Coleman and keep. Uh, 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 let's see, T D P. 
uh, on the inactive list. And uh, so anyway, uh, moving on, switching gears, uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, guess what, people? He's going to play. He's going to start this week against his former team, the big, uh, you know, uh, uh, drama uh, of the – and, of course, uh, his, his, I just saw in the news that uh, 10 of the uh, women that accused uh, Watson – of inappropriate contact and such are going to be attending the game because they want their voices heard and such. So uh, what's going on here? you think that uh, Watson just steps right in and, and has a big game against his former team because their defense is not very good? Or do you think he's going to struggle? What's, what's, what's your thoughts on the situation, Chris? Well, well, we're going to talk more about him in our clicks and flicks a little bit, so I'm going to save a little bit of the thunder for then. But um, if, I think he absolutely should be rostered. He's got way too much upside. Um, I don't know about this week. Uh, I'm, I'm not as sold on him for this week. I don't think he's necessary to start this week unless you're really desperate at quarterback. You may be even starting, you know, a Jared Goff or somebody like that for, for a while because of injuries or bye weeks or, or bad drafting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's interesting, though. I mean, this is exactly the kind of thing the NFL is trying to avoid. They pushed for a 12-game suspension very hard because they didn't want him playing here in week 13 in Houston against his former team and the circus, the media circus is going to go with it. Now with, with these other women sh- going to be at the game, which again, they have every right to be there certainly. And I think they were clearly wrong. And, and I don't want to in any way defend what Watson did. I think this is the media circus that the NFL was trying to avoid. And my guess is that that could, that's going to take over the game regardless of what he does on the field this week, which frankly, I don't think is going to be much better than average. Okay. Uh, moving on over to uh, Baltimore. Uh, Gus Edwards now is healthy again, took over the, the major starting role there, scored a touchdown this past week. Kenny Drake was kind of regulated to back, uh, back of the, back of the, uh, the roster there, along with uh, Justice Hill. They barely saw the field last week. And I remember you and I were having a talk about this, whether to start Drake or Edwards, because Edwards was 100%. And fortunately, we just uh, yeah decided I decided for my team to to go with with Edwards, and that worked out well. Well, now J.K. Dobbins is set to return to practice this week, coming off another uh, a cleanup surgery, I guess. And you got uh, kind of some knowledge with that, since you've had a knee injury and had to go back and have another another procedure. But uh, so, what's the fantasy impact here? Yeah, obviously, we know that uh, Gus Edwards is probably going to start this week, and it may take another week or two with K.J. Dobbins, but uh, I mean, uh, J.K. Dobbins, but what do you think uh, is going to happen with uh, Edwards and Dobbins down the road once Dobbins can play? I, I think Edwards is still going to have significant fantasy value. I don't think it's going to go away much because he wasn't a huge high-volume guy in, in any way, but he's always produced on the yards per carry in his entire career, and he's a goal-line banger, and he's going to score. Mm-hmm. He's going to get touchdowns, uh, so I, I think his value is going to stay constant. The thing that's going to change, if J.K. Dobbins gets activated, I think you drop Kenny and Drake from any rosters. He's never, he's never going to see the light of day. Uh, he, he was really yep. only in there because of all the injuries ahead of him. So Dobbins will probably contribute at some point, maybe during our fantasy playoffs. But Edwards is still the guy to own in that backfield, in my opinion. Uh, I think he was, if everyone was healthy at the start of the year, and the only reason Dobbins, I think, was being pushed to the forefront in the preseason is that Edwards was still a long way from being healthy. Yep. They mix, mix and match until they can find some uh, healthy people. And uh, they've always wanted to see uh, Dobbins, Edwards, and then Hill, you know, right there. So there really isn't any room for Drake when they're all healthy. Uh, before I talk about a few uh, major injuries, uh, updates and such, uh, the Chiefs are going to sign, or they have signed, Melvin Gordon to their practice squad. Fantasy thoughts, Chris, on that. If you own Melvin Gordon, you know, uh, when he was with Denver, you uh, held him uh, to see where he landed uh, what do you think of this move, and uh, should you keep him on your roster? 
Uh, well, we own them in the 12-team league in Sanex, as, as you know. Um, and I think since there's nobody else worth replacing him with, he's worth the dart throw to keep on your roster. It's a great situation. I think he's still at least one injury away from being at least mildly fantasy relevant. But let's say something happens Isaiah Pacheco, Hilaire's, Edwards Hilaire is still on, on, uh, on the IR. You know, McKinnon's mm-hmm. not an every-down back. Um, he's got he's the pass catching back. He's not an every-down back. Melvin Gordon's got significant potential in the case of a Pacheco in, injury, um, especially in standard leagues. I think he would be the goal line back that they would use there. So I think he's probably worth holding as a dart throw, but I wouldn't go out and pick him up and drop somebody useful from your roster. Okay, I, I agree with you there. A couple other uh, major up, uh, injuries uh, up to updates. Uh, a good one from Jacksonville, Travis Etienne with that foot. Uh, looks like they say he's fine, but it's still a sprained foot, people. Uh, not quite sure if he's going to play this week, but they say they're going to ramp him up in practice. He left the game, and, and uh, just Michael Hasty is the guy to own. He took over. He kind of struggled the running game, but he did score a touchdown in the passing game there. Uh, so if you've got Etienne, you better uh, pick up Hasty if you can and, and play that the way game there and Jamar Chase uh, for the Bengals uh, looked like he was fairly close to coming back I was kind of surprised just one week removed from getting off crutches but he was running patterns in pregame warm-ups uh, on Sunday and they expect him to play this week so and they need it that's got a big game uh, the Bengals and the, and the Chiefs so it can't get much better bigger than that if you want to kind of see a complete list of uh, injuries uh, in the current status of all the players uh, Come on over to ffmastermind.com. Our fourth one injury report updates players every every day. It's part of our weekly newsletter. You can try out our newsletters for just fourteen ninety five for the rest of the season. And of course, we want to uh, thank our uh, sponsor each week this season on uh, the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge Fanduel. So tackle millions in prizes all fan, all fantasy football season long in Fanduel Fantasy Contest. If you're new to fantasy, there's no better time to get in on the action because right now new customers get a free single game entry when you sign up for Fanduel. Single game contests are a great way to get in on the action for the week's biggest matchups with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Just draft your five-player lineup and put your best player in the MVP position. That's where fantasy points are multiplied by one and a half. Plus, on FanDuel, you'll also play full slate contests featuring multiple games, season-long best ball contests, and so much more. And when you win, you get paid fast, and I can vouch for that because I've played in one and have been paid fast. So we'll kick off your football season, whether it's just this week, or whenever, uh, with a free single-game entry, just download the FanDuel Fantasy app and sign up with promo code MASTERMIND. That's M-A-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D. That's promo code MASTERMIND, M-A-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D, to get your free single-game entry. And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with assistance from the definitive fantasy football information service, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience, including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League Championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy football content updated daily, which give you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship. Championship! 
Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, we also urge everyone to check out our website, ffmastermind.com. Just moved to a brand new server. Uh, everything's working, purring along really quickly and, and, and perfectly uh, at this point, on, at least on the front end. We're still working the back end a little bit, but everything's going to be really nice. Uh, anyway, you can check us out for the price of basically a large pizza, uh, fourteen ninety five for the rest of the season. FF Mastermind, we uh, post breaking news each uh, day on a, on a uh, continuous basis on our uh, NFL Quick Bits feature, and of course we're posting Ion Sky scouting reports, including those that on the Colts uh, and their decisions and time management <laughs> from Chris Reed on Monday night. You want to read read that? That's absolutely free on our website. Uh, and of course, uh, follow me on Twitter at FF Mastermind. All right, let's get to this week's picks to click and flick, guys. You want to consider starting and or sitting for certain reasons. Give me a couple quarterbacks you like this week and why, Chris. Uh, I like Derek Carr. I mean, kind of lost in the Josh Jacobs heroics for the last week is that Derek Carr has been really revitalized of late. He's averaging 21 points per game his last four games. He's thrown for the second most yards and the most touchdowns, nine in that span. He's got multiple TD passes each of those last four games, and he's facing a Chargers team that's allowed back-to-back 30-point fantasy performances to the quarterback. Carr's also thrown multiple touchdowns in four straight against the Chargers and four of his last five in the division, so I think he's going to get solid points again this week, even with potential for only an average volume. It's also worth noting that Josh Jacobs is not going to practice this week, so he might have to throw a little bit more than he wants. second guy I like is Jared Goff. Um, He's actually got nearly identical stats to Carr this year. He's even less popular belief in him as a fantasy value, though. Now, this week he's facing a Jags squad that's allowed the second-most 30-plus quarterback fantasy performances this season and it's allowing 26 points per game over the last six weeks which is about what the 32nd ranked lions have allowed all season so this game has all the earmarks of a high scoring affair because both defenses stink and both passing games should have success because each team's going to try and keep up i think the fact that detroit probably is going to add jameson williams to the mix this week also certainly helps the big play potential Yep, I agree with you there because one of the two guys I like this week is Trevor Lawrence. The other side of that game, uh, Jacksonville, uh, coming off a big uh, big win against the Ravens. I believe I read a stat somewhere that the Jaguars were like 0-83 when trailing by seven points in the final two minutes of a game until this past Sunday when Trevor Lawrence drove him right down the field, got the score, and then they got the two-point conversion to beat the Ravens. And, and uh, I love games like this. So I think he's going to have another big game coming to Detroit. So if you uh, got Lawrence and you need him, start him with confidence. And, of course, Justin Herbert, I think he's going to roll to the points against the Ravens. No, nothing more needs to be said here. I know that Mike Williams might not play, but you got uh, DeAndre Carter did a really good job stepping up. And, of course, Keenan Allen scored last week. And then you got Josh Palmer. you got uh, Gerald Everett. I mean, and, all, of course, Austin Eckler is leading all the running backs and catches. So Herbert's got plenty, uh, to, plenty of options to throw there. So uh, start him with confidence. A couple guys I'm concerned about this week. Lamar Jackson finally had a uh, fairly good game, and I think I called it last week. Uh, but they are playing the Broncos, so I think the Broncos are going to uh, limit him a little bit here. Also, uh, his wide receiver core is still uh, beat up there. Uh, might not have a terrible game, but it's you know if you're expecting 25 points plus uh, for out of Jackson, you're probably not going to get it. Ryan Tannehill, uh, the Eagles secondary is still qu- uh, quite tough to beat Darius Lyons and Camp Company, and they're going to try and run their uh, run Derrick Henry in that most of that game. So uh, Ryan 
Tannehill. I wouldn't expect much uh, points from him, so be careful there. How about you, Chris, a couple of wise, uh, quarterbacks? I'm sorry, quarterbacks that you're not crazy about and why. Okay, here's where we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson. Now, the last time we saw him, he was leading the league in passing yards with a high-end fantasy quarterback, one, number one, and don't think he's not going to be a little more motivated playing in Houston against his former team. But I can't help but notice in the last time we saw him was almost two years ago, but more importantly, he was playing for a team with a lousy defense, forcing him to throw, a worse running game, and three pretty solid receivers. Now he's running with a new team that has a solid defense, and most of all, he's facing a team that is historically bad at run defense with Nick Chubb to hand the ball to behind him. So I think Houston has allowed the least fantasy points to quarterbacks simply because teams don't have to throw against them. So we should temper expectations due to volume this week in Houston and then eye those potential shootouts with Watson in week 14 to 16, which is going to help him pay off. And my caution play of the week is Tua. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, I mean, he, he's faced a top-half passing defense four times this year. He's only averaging 17 points per game in those games, dropping four of his five lowest scores in those four games. So as good as he's played, he has basically feasted on the weak sisters for fantasy and been kind of pedestrian otherwise. Now, the 49ers defense is definitely top 10. They're allowing 14 points per game to the quarterback over the last month and under 17 for the season. They've also only allowed a league-low nine touchdown passes in 11 games so far, so it could be an efficient throwing game but a low-scoring fantasy day for Tua. Yeah, I tell you, uh, I agree with you about, about uh, uh, Watson in terms of against Houston. I remember watching that game, and, and Tua got off to such a big start for Miami against Houston last week, and, and uh, we uh, our other option on my other team was Burrow, and we went with Burrow, and uh, Tua was leading the entire game, and then, of course, they got so far up, they pulled him at the end of the third quarter, and Burrow ended up getting more points in the, in the uh, low 20s. I think Tua only ended up with 18 in that game, so there is something to that that when you say that. Anyway, uh, how about a couple of running backs you like this week and why? Uh, I mentioned him earlier, David Montgomery. This is as much about his opponent as it is for Monty himself, although he's been top 10 in both rushing and receiving yards amongst running backs over the last two weeks. But the Packers are just bad. Only the Texans have allowed more running back rushing yards this season, and no one has allowed more running back fantasy points over the last three weeks than the Pack has. Montgomery also has a great history against Green Bay, averaging over 21 PPR points per game in his last four matchups, including 122 on the ground earlier this year for his only rush game over 100 in his last 21 starts. So I like David Montgomery. And then another guy I like to be really a high-end guy is Ramondre Stevenson. Um, only two running backs have nine straight double-digit PPR games this year, Eckler and this guy. And with Damian Harris dinged and likely to sit on Thursday night, this looks like a week where the high-volume receiving chops will get augmented by more touches in the run game. Now, Buffalo is actually a mid-range option for fantasy running backs, despite often playing with leads. And in no huddle mode, Stevenson would be the guy here anyway. So I think whether they get behind or not, it's going to be Stevenson. So he's going to be a top-five PPR guy this week with number one overall potential if TDs start flowing. He's overdue for a score. And I always like the running game, especially at home on Thursday night on a short week. Yep. Okay. A couple of running backs I like this week. Uh, Damon Pierce, boy, he struggled the last two weeks. Well, guess what? He gets the Browns this week, and in that game, they're going to be running on both sides of the ball. Pierce is still the uh, the centerpiece of that offense, and I know they struggled the last two weeks, but they should stay in this game, uh, uh, hopefully, for a lot of it. And if they're going to be running Pierce a lot, and he's going to have success, so uh, start him with confidence as a, as a three or a flex or whatnot. Maybe even a two. He might. He's got two upside this week. And then Kareem Hunt, another guy that's been struggling. It's 
same game. Yep, guess what? This Texan. So, you know, if Chubb's going to get his yards probably over 100 and score two, well, uh, Hunt can score two, and I think he's going to. So if you need him this week, you can start him with confidence. A couple of guys I'm concerned about this week. Jeff Wilson, uh, supposed to have a big game last week against Houston, didn't quite get it done, and now he gets the 49ers. Forget it. They're going to limit him this week, so he slides into a flex category. And Miles Sanders had a huge game. Knocked one of my teams right out the FPC playoffs, and then we kind of salty about it. But guess what? He gets the Titans this week, and the Titans are going to get my revenge on him. <laughs> I love it. Limit him. So it's a caution play for Miles Sanders. You're going to start him if you own him, but don't expect too much there. How about you, Chris? A couple of running backs you're not crazy about and why? I'll start with Latavius Murray. Nobody's really run on the Ravens all season. They've allowed the fourth fewest rush yards, and nobody sniffed 100 yards yet. The only thing that they do allow is a fairly high reception rate to running backs, but Murray's in no position to have an impact in the passing game for this offense. He's averaged one target per game over the last three seasons. I think another sneaky thing to notice is that Mike Boone might be back from IR this week, and he figures to have a larger role in the backfield, especially in the passing game if he's active. So Murray might hold a large slice of the pie in the Denver backfield, but it's a small pie, and there's just not a lot of volume or upside to him this week, especially if they fall behind, which they generally do. And my caution play of the week at running back is Jamal Williams. I know it sounds crazy leading everybody in touchdowns. The matchup does not favor his usage and strength. The Jags are quietly allowing under four yards per carry, especially up the middle, and they're far more susceptible to the running back in the passing game. They've allowed the fourth most catches in yards, which would more favor the underutilized Swift rather than the banger who averages less than a catch a game. In fact, over the last five games, they're amongst the best in the league at minimizing PPR scoring to running backs as well. So, there are ways you're beating the air, like we talked earlier, downfield. So this is going to be a low-volume game for Williams and with a reduced chance of scoring like he seems to do weekly. Okay, how about the wide receiver? Give me a couple of wide receivers you'd like this week and why. Uh, I really like Christian Kirk. I know everyone's going to run to the waiver wire to grab Zay Jones this week after his monster game. And he's had three games of 10-plus targets in the last five, so he's certainly getting action. But nonetheless, in those five games, Kirk has more fantasy points and targets, including a 6-2 to two edge in red zone targets as well. He scored all the wide receiver touchdowns between the two of them in the last, in the last five weeks. You definitely don't want to leave Jones in the waiver wire if you need a streamer or some receiver help. But don't forget who the real alpha in Jacksonville is and who's probably going to bounce back in a big way against one of the league's most generous defenses as a fantasy receiver. Interesting, he has played Detroit twice in his career, both when he was with Arizona. He has 12 targets in each game. And he was a part-timer in Arizona during that time. He also had his best game last year, nine catches for a 94 and a score. So I think he's a solid, maybe even high-end PPR wide receiver one this week. And a sneakier play I like is Nelson Aguilar on Thursday night. Um, over the last five weeks, the Bills have actually allowed the third most points to the fantasy wide receiver and the most touchdowns in the NFL. So there's some potential to score here. Um, Aguilar is the one that stepped up when Jacoby Myers left the game last Thursday. And with him still limited, Aguilar could have an increased role again this week. Interesting that Aguilar has averaged over 12 points per game in PPR with Mac Jones at quarterback and under two points per game with Bailey Zappi. So, again, I suspect a decent role this Thursday as well with Mac Jones still in there. Um, <laughs> Aguilar scored five touchdowns the last two seasons. That's it. But he scored in his two Thursday night football games in the last two seasons, so I think he likes the stage. There you go. All right. A couple of the guys I like this week uh, at uh, wide receiver, uh, Garrett Wilson. Well, uh, Mike White has woke up the Jets' offense, the passing game. Garrett Wilson is the alpha there. He's going to score on the Vikings' soft pass defense. And, of course, DPJ, uh, I, I think he will hook up with uh, Deshaun Watson on a long uh, pass here, and it could go for a long score. 
Uh, DBJ's played very well this year. He's only had three bad games, uh, two of them in the first three weeks of the season this past week. Caught a couple passes early and then kind of disappeared. But it was a tough matchup against the Bucks. So I think he's going to burn the Texans in this game. So if you need a long uh, pass play or a uh, flex option, DPJ is your guy. A couple guys I'm concerned about this week. Demarcus Robinson two weeks ago was money, catching everything in sight, nine catches and such. Well, uh, what happened last week, uh, he got dinged up in practice and then came out and caught one of four targets. You can't trust him, especially against a tough Broncos secondary this week, so you sit him. And Adam Thielen last week had one of his best games of the season. Well, the Jets have allowed only three wide receiver scores since week three. If anyone's going to score on the uh, Jets this week, it's going to be Justin Jefferson, not Adam Thielen, so be careful there. How about you, Chris, a couple of wide receivers you're not crazy about and why? A couple of guys in the same game that you're probably starting anyway, but they're both caution plays this week. I'll start with Michael Pittman. He's a tough guy to sit in PPR leagues. He even posted a good score this last week with a lot of targets on Monday Night Football last night. But the Cowboys' pass defense is a little tougher than the last-ranked Steelers. So I think the lack of time to throw means that he's going to have a harder time getting open in that short space, which really isn't his forte. Um, There's no reason to like this entire offense right now. So I think he's probably likely touchdown dependent to get a big score this week, and he's only scored twice this season. So uh, I'm just nervous for a floor game from Pittman this week. And then my more shocking caution play of the week is C.D. Lamb. Uh, Number one receivers have averaged under 60 yards per game against Indianapolis, and only four wide receivers at all have topped 78 yards against Indy this season. They've only allowed six wide receiver touchdowns, and half of those were to Christian Kirk in the two games they played. So the only thing they can do right right now is slow down your best receiver. So while Lamb is absolutely not a bench candidate under any circumstances, I think his ceiling is capped this week in a game that also might not require a lot of passing volume from Dak and the Cowboys. For what it's worth, Lamb has only scored in one of his last seven games against the AFC and is averaging under 35 yards per game in his last three games against the AFC. Okay, how about a couple of tight ends you like this week and why? Uh, I love Hayden Hurst. Uh, In a season where a lot of people are searching for a tight end, Hurst is a guy that is startlingly available in about a third of leagues. He's been a tight end one all season in PPR and is top seven in both targets and catches. The Chiefs are not a particularly easy opponent for the tight end. Uh, They're in the middle of the pack and stats allowed. But I think this game's going to be a shootout, and I want any low-cost entry into that mix, if at all possible. I think he's going to be a, another solid low-end tight end one this week that might be available for free on your waiver wire. And then another guy I like is Dawson Knox. Uh, you've got a highly dependent, highly touchdown-dependent scorer. So you look for matchups like, for example, the team that's allowed the second-most tight end touchdowns an average of nearly one per game, and that would be the, the Patriots. Knox scored in the game in Foxborough last year also, and in fact has scored six of his last seven touchdowns on the road and 10 of his career 15 touchdowns uh, on the road. So I think this looks to be a solid lock for a tight end touchdown, as you can imagine, aside from banking on Kelsey on like any given week. Okay. Um, i got a couple of tight ends I like this week. Uh, well, this guy uh, didn't do anything last week, uh, so there's some conditions here. Tyler Higby for the Rams, only if he's healthy and if Matthew Stafford actually plays this week. We're taping this on Tuesday night, people, so you'll know come Friday if uh, Stafford's going to play. Why? Because he's facing a Seahawks t- team that is terrible against a tight end. And, of course, the other guy, George Kittle. Uh, why? Because the Dolphins are terrible at defending the tight end, and it's, this could end up being a little bit of a shootout. I don't know. I think George is going to get his catches in this game, and, he could barrel down the sidelines and score. <laughs> so uh, if you're going you're gonna to start him, and I think he's going to produce for you this week. A couple guys I'm be concerned about, uh, Hunter Henry coming off the big game where he almost caught two touchdowns. Uh, well, the Bills have allowed absolutely zero 
tight end scores in 2022, so I'd be careful there. And, of course, he's sharing time with Jonu Smith. It seems like a one game at Smith, one game at Henry. And, of course, Austin Hoopers, Hooper's come alive for the Titans recently. Well, the Eagles locked down the tight end each week, so I wouldn't expect uh, much production there. He's coming off a game where he only caught three uh, short passes there, so be careful with Austin Hooper. How about you, Chris, a couple of tight ends you're not crazy about and why? Uh, there's a lot of bubble tight ends with good matchups, so I don't think there's a, re- a need to reach for Noah Fant this week. He's got a negative matchup against the Rams. He's only hit 50 yards once, and the Rams have a lot of max of 68 yards and four or five catches to a tight end. Not a good confluence here. I mean, they've allowed the second fewest tight end receptions so far and amongst the lower end of the range on yards per game. Um, I mean, they held Travis Kelsey to a rare four for 57 last week, and this just in, Noah Fant is no Travis Kelsey. So sit him. And then I don't like Robert Tunyon. Uh, whether it's an injured Aaron Rodgers or an inexperienced Jordan Love, there will surely be a game plan this week to minimize throwing this week for the Packers. The Bears are among the best at limiting the tight end, and more importantly, among the worst at stopping the run game. So they're not going to pass much, and when they do, it probably won't be to Tunyon. So with him at best being the fourth or fifth option in the pecking order for receptions, and they're only averaging about five PPR points per game the last six weeks, there's no reason to consider him this week. Yep. Okay, one-hit wonders at kicker and defense. Hit me with them. I love Chase McLaughlin again this week. He's again kicking indoors in December, facing a team that's in the top ten in field goals allowed, and playing for a team that's willing to give him a lot of field goal attempts, including from distance. Another guy, Matthew Wright for the Steelers, basically the same story. Steelers, you know, will run him out there a lot. Atlanta gives up a ton of field goal attempts. And Wright actually has the highest points per game for the season amongst any kicker in, in the league. And, and he's only about 2% owned. So go pick him up off the player and stream him. A couple of defenses I like. Um, I do like Seattle at the Rams. I mean, they're a top 10 fantasy defense that's about 70% unowned, surprisingly enough, facing a putrid Rams team with no able bodies and possibly Bryce Perkins under center or a dazed and confused Matt Stafford. And then I like Minnesota at home against the Jets. Um, even including that stinker against Dallas a couple of weeks ago, they've averaged nine points per game the last six weeks, and the Jets are a bit banged up and – Come on, Mike White can't really do it twice, can he? I don't know. Okay, well, thanks for joining us, everyone. For Chris Rio, this is Michael Nazarek. We'll see you all next week when we offer our Week 14 preview. Yeah, we're coming, entering the home stretch. So good night and good luck to everyone playing this week. Football! Football? You know, a physical sport. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Good day, sir!